So today, Deuteronomy 12. So all of you have a, a, a very wonderful weekend because today, for the first and second service, you'll be on Deuteronomy 12. And the third service will be on Deuteronomy 13, which will be done by Pastor Chu. It's going to be an amazing time. For Deuteronomy 12, I've entitled it The People of God. The people of God, which means all of us in that sense. But specific to the text, when you say the people of God, you see, we have gone through the whole Deuteronomy series where we know, yes, they came out from Egypt. There's a lot of things that happened. They got the Ten Commandments, and we heard from last week, you know, they had that whole golden calf, the, the period of stubbornness, which was done so well by Pastor Fergus. You see, there's so much stories about this group of Israelites that were traveling around. And take note, this happened when all the Israelites were together in one big group, traveling around for 40 years together. And during that period, they had their ups and downs, ups and downs. Now, at the end of Deuteronomy 11, God is telling the people, okay, right now, you are my people. You will be crossing the Jordan soon into the land I have promised you, which means now, guys, God is simply saying, you are finally reaching the land that I have promised you. Now, as you go into this brand new land that you have not seen, you have heard stories about from the spies, but you have not really seen the land. You are not, maybe not too sure what's going to happen. But one thing is sure, you are going to inhabit it. So, as the people of God, as you are going to inhabit this land, God is trying to tell, tell them that, hey, you are my people, and there are certain things I would want you as the people of God to follow. Why is that so important? Because again, all of them were traveling together as a big herd, you can call it that way, one big herd of Israelites moving around the land. Now as they enter this land, the promised land, what's going to happen? All of them will be slowly dispersed, slowly go, going into the various territories that each people group would inhabit certain areas. So therefore, all of them, as they enter through that one big door, and slowly they're just going to spread across. And God is telling them, as you are getting ready to be dispersed around, there are certain things that I would like you, as the people of God, to follow. Certain non-negotiables. So that is Deuteronomy 12, the context of Deuteronomy 12. So what are these various principles that the people of God must have before or as they prepare themselves to enter this promised land. So in Deuteronomy, I'm going to give you into three parts. I'm going to split Deuteronomy 12 into three big parts. So the first part is this. As you enter the land, the very, very first thing you need to do is this. It comes from verse 1 to verse 4 that says, cleanse the word I want to use is cleansing. What do I mean by that? Okay, just a little disclaimer. Deuteronomy 12 has 32, I think 32 verses. I'm not going to go through every single verse today. I'm not going to give you in chunks, okay? Some so certain excerpts of the verses. So when I talk about the first part, this is the first chunk, verse 1 to 4, which speaks about cleansing. And it's this one, we're going to read the whole thing, okay? Let, let's read it together at home here as well. Let's all read this together. One, two, three. These are the decrees and laws you must be careful to follow in the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you to possess. 
as long as you live in the land. Destroy completely all the places on the high mountains, on the hills and under every spreading tree, where the nations you are disposing worship their gods. Verse 3, break down their altars, smash their sacred stones and burn their Asherah poles in the fire. Cut down the idols of their gods and wipe out their names from those places. You must not worship the Lord your God in their way. Very clear in the beginning, as you enter, guys, destroy everything else that is not of me, God. That's not of God. Cleanse the land. Because why? The people of God are the people of God. They have a specific, a special unique name to them or a label that they are God's people. Therefore, as God's people, there are certain things as they enter any place, there must be certain uh, uh, testimony about them that they cannot be distracted by the things of the land. That's why God said, all these pagan altars, idols, remove it completely. Because why? He says that you must not worship God in their way. Worship me, in the sense God is saying, worship me in the way I want you. Because remember, Deuteronomy 1 onwards, we have seen many, many times the Israelites, were actually, they are in a sense, they are not, uh, they know the law of God. It has been mentioned many, 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 many times, but they still fail. God is telling them, hey, I'm giving you another chance now. One more chance. Um, among many other chances. Destroy everything else. Thoughts that's not of me, things that's not of me, take it away. It's like a cleansing. That is what God was trying to tell the people. Now, okay, this is not communion. In case at home you're thinking, oh, it's communion day, I didn't prepare. It's not, okay? I just want to show you something. When you say, when we say we are God's people, there are certain non-negotiables, as I mentioned. So like for us, we have things in our life that, you know, we, we call ourselves, okay, we are, we are Christians. We believe in what Christian people do. This is what the Bible tells us. So we are living a very holy life. Like the song, we say, oh, yes. Yes, Lord, I mean, holy. You see, pure, purity. I can see through. This is my life. I'm a Christian. Yes, I come to church on time. Oh, yes, I worship God with my hands lifted up. Yes, another point for me. But then, for some of us, unfortunately, after we leave church, hmm, things happen. The world is out there. This is church safe. But when we go outside, sometimes the things of the world causes us to make certain decisions to say, you know what? Cannot one, you know that. Whatever these Christian things are applies in church, but you know, outside, pastor, dog eat dog world, you know. We must think like them. We want to survive, so we must think like them. Therefore, all right, I'm going to put some of the worldly thinking. Can one, God, I think can one, it's okay. I add some. Don't worry, I think uh, we can mix both principles together, the Christian principles and then the worldly principles can. Somehow, uh, I will just try, I'll try my best. I think it can mix together. Doesn't that sound familiar? That sometimes, as believers, as Christians, we have a Christian face when we come to church. But when we go out, we step out of this door, 
we take out that face, we put another face. But God is saying, no. As you can see, the ways of the world and the ways of God, no matter how hard you try or how hard we try to justify that both can come together, it will not be able to come together. It will always be separate. We cannot have two together. That is what God is trying to tell the people. You are a holy group of people that's going to enter this land. I want all of you to be set apart from the beginning. Who is your master? Is it me, God, that been bringing you all this while, 40 years I've been providing for you? Do you trust me to be your master or you are still contemplating, maybe, you know what, as I go into the land, let me, let me figure out which is best. Can I combine both together? No. God is saying, no. You see, friends, why I feel this is just so important for us today because I think this speaks to many of us, even for myself. Have we, as believers today, been combining the ways of the world and the ways of God together? We, we try our best to justify. It's okay, one. I think a little bit here can, a little bit can. Doesn't that sound a bit familiar? Today, can I encourage all of you? This is what God is telling us today as He warned the group of Israelites. Me or them? Pick one. We have to pick one. And God is telling us, pick me. I have been here. I have shown you so much. He was telling the Israelites, I've been taking care of you. Pick me. Therefore, cleanse everything that's not of me. That is the very first part because why? God is sacred. God is holy. That's why it's only Him or nothing else. First part, cleanse. The people of God must learn to cleanse the things of the world and focus on Him. The second one is this. People of God must cleanse. And the second part is the people of God must congregate. You must come Together. This is where I found it in verse 5 all the way to 28. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I'm just going to go from verse 5 and 6. It says this, But you are to seek the place the Lord your God will choose from among all your tribes to put His name there for His dwelling. To that place you must go. There, bring your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes, your special gifts, and what you have vowed to give and your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. Verse 7, There in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your family shall eat and rejoice in everything you have put on your hand to, because the Lord your God has blessed you. You are not to do as we do here today. Everyone doing as they see fit. God is telling them, hey, you know, all of you will be dispersed as mentioned earlier, but there are certain times that I will want you, the people of God, to come back. And slowly we know that the place that they are supposed to gather is in Jerusalem. So, where are the three uh, uh, events that they are supposed to come back? The three ones that we know is the Pentecost, Passover, and the Feast of the Tabernacles. These are very important uh, 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 events or celebrations that the Israelites are supposed to come back to the center, a central location for them to 
worship God. As I was reading this, like, wow, doesn't this sound like what is happening to us right now? Exactly right now? For the past two years, we have been dispersed. Online church, great. At that point of time, it was great that online church could reach out the masses. Praise God for technology that we can do that. And then now, everything is opening up and as of just a couple of weeks, in that sense, social distancing is reduced so that we can put more people in here and even those of you online congregating together. Why did God say that you must come back to congregate together? It says here in, this, in verse 8, because you are not supposed to, to do what you are doing now. Now, in the sense, in those times, it was, they, were, they had their golden calf, their own ways of worship. They are not, you're not supposed to do all that like what you're doing here today, everyone seeing as though whatever feels right, they do it. You know, at home, in the online church, again, for those of you online, please, I'm not highlighting you, okay? I understand the limitations, but this is just even for, for me. Let's, let's be honest to ourselves. When we are in online church, let's, let's use the COVID period when all of us had no choice. When we were online, the way we give our honour and reverence to God is very different from how you're giving Him right now for those of you physically here. Isn't that true? Even those for on, again, disclaimer, for some of you, you, you have no choice. That is fine. I totally respect that you are here making an effort to be online as well. But those who have that capacity, you have that opportunity to come physical, it's very different. The reverence that we give to God at home, watching the screen versus physical is very different. Because why? Many of us, we try to justify what is the best way of worship for my family at home at this point of time when we are online, correct? We try to do like, oh, it's a busy weekend for me today. We just watch the sermon. Lah. I was Came through the worship because the sound not so nice. Blurry. We give a lot of reasons to justify how we should worship God. When I was reading this, it hit me as well because I'm not saying that, hey, you guys, even for me, worship is on. Sometimes I could be just moving around, you know, doing something else. I'm not really at the sofa in front of TV like, yes, Lord, we worship you. I have to be honest, it was not easy. That is why God is telling the Israelites, come back. You don't do what you feel is right. You come back because there are certain ways that you must give me honour. There are certain ways that you must offer your worship to me. There are certain ways that you must offer your sacrifices. Do you think it's actually easy for them to travel? Because the word says what? Bring. Let's go back to the verse. Um, uh, I think it's in verse 5. Uh, verse 6, okay. There you bring your, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes, your special gifts, what you have vowed to give, and your free will offerings, the firstborn of your herds and flocks. Imagine having to bring all this to travel to church. Days, for some of you, it could be even days traveling, traveling with all these burnt offerings to make sure, oh, make sure it's okay. Very marvan, you know. Isn't that true? Very marvan. In case, uh, Christian, you don't understand, it's very hard for, for them, okay? Inconvenient, <laughs> okay? 
is so inconvenient, which is true of us today as well. We have our own form of inconveniences today. Live until now, still slow. Correct or not? Don't pretend. Yeah, I know some of you, oh, yeah, I don't want to come here to take a leave. Last time, pre-COVID time, I can walk up the stairs healthy. Now I'm not as healthy. I cannot walk up the stairs anymore. I don't want to take the leave. Traffic, parking, a lot of reasons to say no. But friends, can I encourage you? The people of God must congregate. We must congregate. Amen? Again, online, I understand. I must make you guys don't feel bad, okay? Please, I'm not saying online people, you are bad. I'm not saying that. If you have the opportunity, come. Come back together. Therefore, the people of God, they must cleanse themselves of the things that is not of God. The people of God must congregate together, worship God together, offer our sacrifices together in the right way. And this is so beautiful because just last week, we had the opportunity, is it last week or two weeks ago, children ministry, we took away the ticketing system and it was so amazing that the children all came back. Let's give God a big clap. It is, and at first, we were not sure how many kids would come back because the week that we opened, it was the long weekend. There was a wayside holiday on Monday, I believe. So a lot of people would have travelled. There is alamat. So sad like that. How ah? We opened this week nice, nice, but I think no kids will come back. Wasted lah. Because every week when we had ticketing for, for kid zone and thought zone, we have a limited space. 100, 30, 30, that kind. So last week we leave it open. Let's just see how many came. We were expecting, since it's open, and a lot of people are on a holiday, maybe 80, 90 would come lah. For kid zone, which is the bottom, that side, the darker side, we had 140. On a long weekend, a lot of people went for holiday. We had 140. And Thought Zone, Link Zone as well, they had at least, I think, if not mistaken, about 50 to 60 when their normal weekends was only 30. It was full, packed. And I believe this week is going to be more. When it's a normal weekend, it's going to be packed. And I believe this is so amazing because when the children come, they worship God so differently. Many of them told me, Jeremy, they call me Jeremy Koko. La. Jeremy Koko, at home, ah, Actually, kids are very boring one, you know. So, oh, chuck, oh, pain. Okay, I, I'm thinking you have something nice to say after that, right? But uh, when I come to kids on physically after two years, uh, wow, I really enjoy the jumping and worshipping and screaming that I've never, so long I, since I scream like that. Wow, I think when they told us that, uh, it was such a, we felt good. We are doing something right, that the children must come back. And thankfully, the children are coming back. So praise God for that. So it's a little highlight. If some of your children are not back yet, please come tomorrow for service. Enjoy. doesn't matter. We have the space. We have the space. We want to come back, congregate together and worship God. Amen? However, some of us in our years, have we heard of this word, come as you are? We've heard it before. Come as you are. A good sentence but means used sometimes. When we say, we come back to church, all right, I can't come as you are. Or even online, come as you are, just on the TV. Coming as you are in this particular 
way that is mentioned is not about coming in a way that is irreverent to God, that we don't give Him the reverence. Not come in chin chai, chin chai. Come as you are. Okay, la. faster, faster. Why? Ah? Yo, I need to go already. Oh, I don't know. A lot of come as I am. Ah? No. Come as you are to church, whether online or physical, means come as you are with the baggages you have. Come as you are in the brokenness that you have. Come as you are in the bitterness state or whatever state as you are. It means come as you are means don't try to show that you are okay. Then only you, are, you can come to church. Come as you are is come in the condition of brokenness as you are so that Jesus can feel you, Jesus can speak to you, Jesus can minister to you. So come as you are is not about coming with, without any reverence for God. Chin chai, chin chai. Let's remember that, friends. As we prepare ourselves, you say, okay, I'm coming to church, but come as you are, remember the right terminology. Because unfortunately, I've seen many, many people misuse or misunderstood this sentence. This is actually very beautiful. That Jesus said, come, come as you are. Don't have to pretend you're okay, but still give Jesus that reverence. That is why to congregate together, it means you are giving Jesus that kind of honour, that kind of reverence that he deserves. Congregate. Congregate together and come with the right mindset. So this is the first two parts. As the people of God, we need to cleanse ourselves of the things around us that is not of God. Be set apart. It's either my way or no way. Second one is this, that we have to congregate together, come back together, worship God together as a family in the house of God. And finally, the third part, this word, confidence. Confidence. What is the meaning of confidence? This is the last part of the whole verse. Verse 29 to 32. It says this. You must not worship the Lord your God in their way because in worshipping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fire as sacrifices to their gods. Let me read it again. Let me read it again. You must not worship the Lord your God in their way because in worshipping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fire as sacrifices to their gods. As I was reading this, I was asking myself this question, why did God have to tell them to not do these things? Aren't they so-called Christians, if you can use today's language, the Israelites, they believe in God, right? Isn't it common sense that they won't do such detestable things, sacrificing their own children? Why, why did God have to explicitly mention this? You know? I start to think, the Israelites, are they that dumb? I don't think so. But why did God tell them, don't follow all these religious practices of the, of the land. This is where it came to the context of the Israelites and the current situation of the Israelites. So 
Remember I mentioned that the Israelites were travellers. They were like nomads. Nomads are people that do not stay in a particular place for a long time. They stay here for a while, they get up, let's go to the next place, they go to the next place. And therefore, with that, agricultural skills will not be their best techniques that they will have. Because why? Agriculture takes time, right? For harvest, you have to sow, you have to wait for a long period for the harvest to grow, and then you, you do that whole cycle. But for the Israelites, they don't really have that opportunity as much. They do a little, but not as much. Therefore, their techniques in this agricultural field is limited. And now as they're entering this new land, okay? Now, now think about Israel. I want you to just think from their perspective now. As the Israelites want to go into this new place, brand new, we know that the land is very healthy, right? Big grapes, you see the verses, the, the spice, they came back, wow, everything is big. Very healthy land. Wow, this land now you go in, you have a lot of food. As Israelites, as they go in, the first thing they will think is, how do I maintain this? Good land, good harvest, but how do I maintain this land? I need to learn the techniques of the local people, right? As they prepare, as, because they're going to stay there long term. They need to know how to maintain the land. It's only natural. Therefore, it's only natural to say, hey, local people, the people of the land, teach me your ways. How do you uh, take care of your land so that we can continue this for generations to come so that we don't come, give us two, three years, the whole land all gone. They want to be able to maintain it for years to come. This is where it gets interesting because in those days, agriculture, farming, their lifestyle is not just purely based on techniques or tools alone. Pagan practices are interlinked together. It is very normal for them to actually, the, the, the local, uh, let me just use the word locals easier, right? The locals of the people of the land, they would sacrifice their child to the God of harvest to say, oh, can you please give us rain? We pray that this time we have good harvest. And therefore, they have their own returns because they put their confidence in all these sacrifices to their pagan gods and naturally, in their world, they saw returns. That their land was good. And that was where they put their confidence. That is why God is telling the people, guys, be careful. As you enter this land, don't be naive, don't be ignorant to say in, in, with a good mind, thinking that I want to maintain this land, you unknowingly practice the pagan practices. So it's not so much as, why are they so bodo? It actually, it's not that. Sometimes it's, they just don't see it. They didn't notice that their day-to-day -day lifestyle is interlinked with their pagan worship. Context, we remember that. And with that, I'm like, oh, now it makes sense. Why God is telling them, don't do all these detestable things just in case they didn't see it. It was a warning to prepare themselves. But maybe sometimes we say, oh, yeah. but isn't that still quite common sense? You know, you learn the techniques. I'm pretty sure there are certain important techniques that they learn. Learning the techniques, and then when it comes to that, more pagan things, are, you just don't do law. Correct? Not that's what we would think, ma. If, if that was me, it's so simple. When I notice something, it's a bit like more spiritual. I just don't do that part, law. I focus on the techniques only. True, 
but not as simple as we think. Let me give you some examples today on how sometimes our lifestyle and some religious practices that are unchristian religious practices are actually interlinked and we never notice, but we are still doing it till today. Ah, okay, so a little disclaimer here. I'm talking to people who are Christians. Your family is Christians. You are staying in a Christian home that you have invited the presence of God into your house. You worship God in the house. Like it's a Christian, Christian home. And I am not talking about the action in itself. I'm talking about the belief system behind that action. Okay? So it's uh, not purely about the action, belief system. I'm Chinese. In case you all don't know, okay, I'm Chinese. <laughs> Every year, we look forward to Chinese New Year. Woo! Chinese New Year, best time. Family, family come together, congregate. Wow, very nice. And this is where it gets interesting. Remember, I'm talking about the, uh, the belief system, not the action. So what do we do on the night before Chinese New Year? All of you know very well, those Chinese people. What do you do the night before Chinese New Year? Sorry? You clean the house. I know some of you say last minute, pack, uh, pack ampau. Okay, that's one. But cleaning the house. Is cleaning the house a wrong thing? No. It is good to clean the house. It's good to be prepared for a nice celebration the next day on day one of Chinese. You want to, people to come to your house. It has to be nice and clean, squeaky clean. You don't want like oily, right? It's okay. Nothing wrong with that. But... If the belief system is this, that, oh, if I don't clean tonight, again, uh, Christians, uh, if I don't clean tonight, tomorrow I cannot clean already. Eh? Why? Uh? Because uh, if I clean the next morning, uh, I'm pushing away all the good luck. Bad luck is going to come to my house. Does that sound a little bit religious already, there's an element of unchristian thinking or in a stronger word, paganism. Because all this didn't just start recently, right? It started ancient times. Again, the action in itself is fine. But when we have that belief system that I must do it, if not my whole year, bad luck. There's something a little bit off there. Again, I'm not, of course, if you have pre-believers in your house, you don't, you don't intentionally, I don't care, you know, I'm not going to sweep on day one, use your brain or so. Lah. We honour, we honour. But it's about the belief system. I know many of us here today, those of you who, who, who giggle a bit, maybe you guys don't do it, but for some of us here today at home, I'm pretty sure that belief system is also very true, that you are believing it. That's exactly what God was telling the Israelites. Be careful. Don't interlink this pagan worship with innocent activities. It applies to all of us. This is just one very simple example. Set apart for God. Set apart. Which one do you want to pick? Because at the end of the day, we sometimes say, oh yeah, Jeremy, I do it lah because better safe than sorry. Lah. No harm, lah. just do it. It's okay. One, 
there is some form of harm because it's talking about your belief system. Because your belief system is whether do you trust in all these practices like the pagans did in, in their whole sacrifice of the children and all those. They put their belief in that. Are, you putting, are we putting the belief system in our practices in that way or are we putting our confidence in God at the end of the day? That's why God is telling them at the end of the day, it's not just about your actions, you know. It's about the belief system underlying everything. Where is your confidence? Because this is not just one occasion. It's been many, 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 many occasions. You hear also, you're like fed up. Why these Israelites until now still cannot change? Because underlying everything, it was not just their purely, their action. It was the belief system. They did not have confidence in God. That is the whole bottom line. And why is it so apt for us today? We are the people of God today. And sometimes we fall into that trap that the Israelites did. And, and those who know your Bible, did they, after this, they say, yes, we are set apart for you. Holy nation, we will follow you 100%. No. History repeated itself over and over and over again. Friends, today, all of us have that chance in our own life today that as people of God, we are called to be set apart, be different. We need to take away all the things that's not of God. We must come back together. We must have that confidence in Him at the end of the day. We know it. I believe all of us here at home, wherever you are, we know it very well. We need all this. But why is it so hard? Why can't we do it? Because the world, we are surrounded by darkness, oppression all around us. I really love what Dr. John Molini said in his book, The Wake Up Call, that I was just recently reading. He said, many of us have the desire to break through the darkness and in our cities and nations, to break through the darkness in our churches and to see a revival and an awakening of God. But we can't even break through the system that is holding all of us captive unless we let God set us free from that system. This makes it vital for us to go against the ways and the patterns of our world system and allow God to work in us so that we can be set apart for Him. Sometimes when we fail of being set apart for God, it's not because you guys are weak. I am weak. You all are not good Christians. No. It's because we need to understand we cannot do it alone. The moment we think, I think I am strong enough, I know the Word of God enough to be able to tahan myself, to, to, to have this strong enough barrier from all the oppression of the world, that's where it's the opening for the evil one to really attack you even more to say, okay, let's see how strong you are. Lor. Because at the end of the day, none of us are strong enough. None of us. We want to do all this as people of God. We want to be cleansed of ungodly. We want, I know all of us want. 
We want to congregate together. We want to come together. We want to worship God. I'm sure many of you want to worship God either online or physical in your own capacity. You want to, but there are just so many things around you that causes you not to be able to do it. It's like you, you've been trying and trying. Like Why? Why I still cannot? Lah? Why I try to be as righteous as I can in my workplace, but situations just doesn't seem to allow me. I want to honour my marriage at home, but situations just doesn't seem to allow me. I'm just being so much, so oppressed, so much, to the point sometimes we fail. We say, I want to have confidence in you, God. I really want, I really know you can help me, but I just can't, I can say it, but I can't seem to live it out. Why? Why? Because maybe we are using our own strength. As people of God, we have God. We have Him. Remember the Israelites as they were walking? They had the pillar of fire and, 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 and cloud around them the whole time. They didn't bother to just be in the presence of God. They want to do things themselves. So today, friends, even as we slowly close, we want to be good people of God. I'm very sure of that. But sometimes it's just so tough. And today, I just want to encourage all of you that with all that oppression, all that darkness that surrounds us, we have a way out because Jesus has come to rescue us. We are His people. Remember, who can save our own self? None of us. We can't save ourselves. Jesus can. And today, this is what we're going to do. We have some time. I would like to open the altar. For those of you who feel that I really need the strength of God to help me through this. I just, I can't do it anymore. I do not know why. You don't have to understand why. You just need to tell Jesus, help me. I really want to be set apart for you. Help me. I cannot do it myself. And today, if you are here physically, maybe it's an appointed time by God. Maybe through many years. Today is your first time back physically in church. Praise God for you. Maybe God is saying something to you today to come forward to the altar and just tell Jesus, help me, help me. And for those at home, can I also invite you, if, if the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you this whole time, and how can you be part of this altar call, can I invite you to just stand up and take a step forward as an act that, Lord, just help me. So this is what we're going to do right now. Can I invite all of you to stand? And if the Holy Spirit is prompting something in your heart today to say that to be a people of God, you need Him. You want to be set free from whatever oppression. You want to be set free. Can I invite you to come forward as the worship team is just going to worship in this song. No one is going to pray for you for a while. The pastors will pray for you later. But I would like you to say that first prayer to God that you yourself say, Lord Jesus, help me and rescue me. Because today, friends, it's not about being condemned and feel guilty. No. 
It's about coming back to God as the people of God. So as the worship team, as you worship in this song, can I just invite those of you to just come forward. Just come forward. Give there's a lot of space. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, today. Thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for the seed planted in every single one of us today. That as we know, as the people of God, as all of us are here, there are certain things that we want to do for you and with you. That Lord, we thank you for the breakthroughs that we have today, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for all the breakthroughs that we have here today. We believe, Lord Father, more, more will come, Lord Jesus. Lord, even as we go from here, Lord, I pray as we depart, that Lord, you will go with us. Your angels will be with us. Your presence will be with us. Your word will be living in us. That Lord, would you just turn your face towards us, that your favour will be upon us, our children, our family, our neighbourhood, wherever we are. That as Lord, as we are your people, not only that we will receive peace, we will give that peace out to the rest of the people around us. Because that peace comes from you, that we will be your instrument to the people around us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for a wonderful weekend. We can just congregate together once again. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a clap offering. Amen. Amen. Amen.